Welcome. I'm glad you're here. You're listening to Banjo Chat, where I bring in amazing banjo players and chat with them about their life, their music, their stories, their pitfalls, inspirations, and advice. So join us on this journey into Banjo Chat. Hello, hello. I'm Hillary Hawk, and this is my podcast. Welcome to the Banjo Chat. Hope everything's good. Hope you got through the day. It's a hot one here, pretty humid. It's July here in Brooklyn. On the show today, we have great banjo player Brad Kolodner. Brad is an amazing, multi-talented musician and one of the leaders of the Baltimore old-time scene. Now with his online banjo course, he's been reaching a much wider audience. He's a member of the in-demand Acoustic Roots four-piece band named Charm City Junction. They're playing all over. He's just finished recording an album, which uh, I'm sure he'll tell you about. He also runs the Baltimore Old Time Music Festival with his father, Ken Kolodner. And I believe it's the 10-year anniversary of that Baltimore Old Time Jam that they've been running. Is that right, Brad? Yeah, we just celebrated our 10th anniversary, our 10th birthday of the Baltimore Old Time Jam that I co-lead with my dad, Ken. And as I like to tell folks, uh, it's really a 10-year celebration of playing the same old tunes over and over and over again. And uh, at our 10-year birthday, we even had a special guest appearance from the Baltimore Orioles mascot. Whoa. And we had a cake. And we had just like, it was a big party and a super fun time at this local brewery where we host the jam now. And really a celebration of how much this local Baltimore old time community has grown. And I've, when we'll get into this, I'm sure, uh, derive a lot of my inspiration and joy from playing this music and playing banjo, uh, thanks to the amazing scene that we have here in Charm City. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Did you say the mascot came? Yeah, well, my, my dad and I are both fans of the Orioles, and this was not something that we planned, but some of our friends uh, planned to have the mascot show up in the middle of the jam and present us with these goofy little trophies that have like a banjo and a fiddle on them. And uh, it was it was very silly, and I, I felt like a, a 12-year-old boy um, <laughs> going back to my, my younger days as like a uber sports fanatic seeing the Oriole bird walk in now as a 33 year old felt like a little kid it was great (laughs) now you've like combined like nerdy hot like nerdy things that you love you know like you're combining them all it's all becoming it's coming into fruition now exactly it was the perfect uh blend of like all things brad that's amazing (laughs) oh and a cake oh that sounds amazing well thanks for being on the show today Yeah, it's really nice to be here and uh, connect. I know we've crossed paths a a number of times at festivals and camps and things, but it's great to finally sit down and and just chat. Yes, exactly. And I was thinking, I don't get to talk to you much. Uh, The last time I saw you, I think, was at the Baltimore Old Time Festival in the beginning of March this year in great downtown Baltimore. I forgot the name of the venue, uh, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we, we held the, the festival at a venue called the Creative Alliance for the first four years of the festival. And next year, we are moving to a bigger venue across the harbor called the Baltimore Museum of Industry. And it's a little ways off, April 19th, 20th to, uh, in uh, 2024. But we are really excited about growing this festival. It'll be the fifth annual event and we skipped a year in the midst of the pandemic, but we've had four of them and they've pretty much all sold out. It's just a full weekend of concerts and jamming and workshops. There's a square dance. It's great for kids. There's a family dance. It's really a fun time. And we're 
just piecing together the lineup right now and getting ready to uh, put tickets on sale this fall. And we're just really stoked about this new venue and an opportunity to, to just see how much we can uh, we can grow this event and but still keep it you know intimate and and uh, welcoming and not it's not going to grow into this massive festival but we still uh, we just want to see where it can go um, and so this this new venue really gives us that, that opportunity um, to expand it a bit. <laughs> I'm laughing because as soon as you say. Oh, it's it's not going to turn into a, a huge <laughs> festival like that's when it's going to happen you know um, you know i was you know just being there and seeing how how many people were there i was like oh this this should be bigger this should be bigger mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. um it was so much fun and so i'm glad congrats that it's growing that's awesome yeah thank you yeah it's it's been quite a bit of work to find a, a new place right. that makes a lot of sense uh, it's right on the water there's this big outdoor pavilion where we can host a square dance late into the night yeah and this beautiful indoor space um, with all these nooks and crannies for jamming and it's it's going to be a great time and we're partnering with the uh, former program director at the creative alliance the previous venue where we worked um this fellow named josh khan so my dad and i and him along with a, a, a team of organizers are, are really uh working hard to pull off this event and it's become sort of the crown jewel of the local old time scene and a really nice way to show off um all the things we have cooking here in baltimore amazing uh, i don't know how you have time in the day to do all the things you do i really <laughs> don't know <laughs> you have a lot going on and it's all great stuff it's not uh, all, you know, for your own purpose. It's really like community building and uh, wonderful, wonderful stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it all sort of feeds into uh, one another. Um, I, I like to say that selfishly, part of my desire to organize events here in town is so that I can have a, a square dance to go to or an old time mm-hmm. jam to go to around the corner or a festival that I can look forward to every year. So, yeah, there's definitely a bit of... Um, building these events because I really want to go to them and participate in them. But I also acknowledge that there are so many others that are, are you know, have the appetite for these kinds of events um, that bring people together, bring joy to this community. And it's uh, it's definitely been a very interesting process with each of the respective events, whether it's the jam or the square dance that we host every month or this festival I put on some house concerts as well, and um, each of those events, I, I really try to make sure that I'm um, acknowledging the folks who are there for the first time and really just exposed to this music, uh, maybe that night for the first time, and making sure that they feel really welcome and uh, and and as if it, it's something that they could come back to on a regular basis, and not just for the the folks in the middle of the jam, the hardcore, you know, old time folks, and and I nothing against you know the the folks who are there in the inner circle there of the of a jam or dancing up at the front of the dance hall or right in the front row at the festival, but everybody out on the fringes as well, making sure that they um, have a good experience and are are welcomed and and not. You know the the vibe that can happen sometimes with old time, where it feels exclusive and and just for those who are you know the the hotshot players. We really don't want that kind of attitude to come through, and so I think that's helped really widen the scope of of the events and and keep them sustainable and really rewarding for us to see someone walk into the room and hear forty people playing an old time tune and their eyes just light up, thinking, "What in the world is going on in here? What are all these people doing?" And you know, capturing them and and really. Uh, a capturing feels kind of aggressive, but, you know, making them feel welcome and, and as if uh, it's something that they can participate in as well. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of what you're doing. I mean, that's obviously why I have you on here, but you're really expanding the scene, you know, and if you're new to old time music and you're listening to this, you know, we're, uh, Brad mentioned like the kind of like inner circle of, of players. And that sometimes like when you have a jam, some of the better players are, are tightly, uh, they're sitting next to each other so they can hear each other well. And that's part of the tradition. And, but it can feel like someone's back is to you if you're standing outside the circle. And of course, that's not the intention, but it can feel like maybe you're not allowed in to the inner circle. And so I, I think, you know, having that, uh, that kind of attitude that you have where you're expanding the, the, the the idea that everyone is welcome but you're still keeping that tradition uh in check you know i don't know if that's the right word but you're you know you still have the right intentions but you're you're expanding out the um the the music yeah we still wanted to to have that um that community vibe yeah. um but also uh, on the the flip side of that we do want to respect the artistry of the music as well. And that's really what the the festival does for the community is to show what this music can be like on a stage as well. You know, I've recorded albums, you've recorded music. We were both performers and yes, it's fun to jam and, and the, the social side of the music is, is so much of it, but also the, the creative side, the artistry of it is something to be celebrated as well. And, um, not, purely social music um although that's where it comes from it is also i think a a valid you know form of of art that deserves to be on a stage and and uh, treated professionally with nice sound and nice lighting and you know nice design and all the things that go into presenting music um in a in a professional way yeah i agree i agree and i i want to get to some of your music soon uh, but I do also want to ask you a little bit about uh, your band, Charm City Junction. Um, but I was actually, before we get to that, I was thinking about when I first heard you play and when I first met you. And maybe I didn't meet you, but I was thinking about it. And uh, it was at maybe it was like 10, 12 years ago. I was at Clifftop, and that's when I first heard you play. And I love the sound. And I was like, who is this guy? And <laughs> And, um, and then I kind of found out, you know, you're in Baltimore, you're close by or close ish by since I'm in Brooklyn. But um, and then I and then I started following you from there. And but that's yeah, that's where I first heard you play at the banjo competition. There you go. The, the, on stage. the one. Yeah, it's 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 funny. I, I do that contest every year and it is, you know, folks ask, do you get nervous for, for concerts? And I usually tell them that at this point I don't get too nervous before a show there's always a little bit of nerves but for that contest I get so nervous and it's just I don't know what it is about it but I I kind of love um, that adrenaline rush that at, at that contest and it really uh it takes a lot of focus and but I I do think it's super fun I don't I um I usually walk up there it's Clifftop this amazing old-time festival where I've basically my interest in the music was cemented when I went to that festival about 10 or 12 years ago. So that must have been one of the first festivals that I attended. It must have been. uh, Yeah. And I I go back every year and it's just amazing to be at at that place, that beautiful spot on that mountaintop with so many talented musicians. And uh, it's just really a special experience. And I'll be there this year and hope to go back as long as I, as long as I'm able to. As long as you're alive. As long as you keep on ticking. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about Charm City Junction. Uh, this is a great band. I've been listening to the album Duck Pin. Duck Pin is the most recent release, I believe, right? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one came out a few years back, and we just finished recording a new album, and it's a band featuring myself on banjo, and then we have a fiddle player, Patrick McAvenue, who comes from the bluegrass world, Sean McComiskey, a wonderful Irish button accordion player, his dad, Billy, and my dad, Ken, are actually friends, and they used to play together at local Irish sessions here in Baltimore back in the day. And the fourth band member is Alex Laquamont, who is a bass player who lives uh, right across the alley from me here in Baltimore. And so the four of us bringing together these different genres, old-time Irish, bluegrass, um, have sculpted this sound uh, sans guitar. Um, nothing against guitar, but it's, it's an interesting combo, this accordion, fiddle, banjo, bass thing. And we really just got together uh, because we were interested in making music uh, just casually as a jam. We, we got together a few times back in, I believe it was 2013. So we're approaching 10 years as a band, which is kind of hard to wow. believe. But we started um, just getting together to, to play tunes and share some tunes from our respective traditions, you know, bringing in old time tunes. And Sean would show us an Irish tune or two and we would try to work it up. You know, these these genres often get put in their respective silos and they don't overlap as much as you'd think. Um, and it was a really interesting experience early on to to realize that, oh, these Irish tunes, they, they can translate to claw hammer. And, oh, these old time melodies, they can work on Irish button accordion and a bluegrass fiddler improvising over an Irish tune or an old time tune. Like it, it can work. And there I think some of those boundaries that we put up are um, are just in our minds. And, and until you actually like try it you realize oh there's actually something here and and that's what we discovered and we started playing together and i encourage anybody who's you know maybe in their town they don't have an old time jam to go to but maybe there's an irish session you know bring the banjo and see you know bring your five string banjo and see what they you know how they react and maybe it'll work maybe it'll be fine you know to to play those tunes you can play jigs on claw hammer you can play waltzes um, it, it definitely takes a little bit of work but it's it's doable and it's it's really interesting with that group to explore that kind of creative territory, fusing those genres. Uh, we write music as well, so we write original tunes. There's some original songs on this new album that we have coming out, hopefully later this year. And it's our third full-length studio album, and we've been fortunate to play lots of festivals. And we don't tour as much, um, but we do play maybe about 20 or 30 shows a year. So every month we have a, a, a show or two, mostly in the, in the region, mid-Atlantic, East Coast. But we'll be out in... Uh, New Mexico later this year, and, wow. and we've we've been out to you know the Midwest and throughout the South and stuff. But but these days we we mostly keep it closer to home. That's great. I I love what you said about uh, trying the Irish music and the that music you can it has the old time sensibilities. You can you can adapt it for Irish, and that your fiddle player is a bluegrass fiddle player, Patrick. You said, and yeah. I I was listening to this and I could hear that there was like a there was a little bluegrass sound to it. And I, I was like, oh man, this is awesome. Like I'm loving this, just kind of this approach that you were taking on the banjo to the music. And I, I couldn't really put my finger on it, what it was. And now that you said there, yeah, that he has like a, maybe a, a bluegrass sound to his fiddling a little bit. I mean, it's subtle. It's like subtle stuff, but um, yeah, it sounds really great. Uh, I think in my world and being in New York City, I get to really cross kind of, pollinate different styles of music maybe a little more than in other states and um, I end up playing a lot of Irish music uh, playing a lot with a lot of singer-songwriters myself and um, and whatever else and bluegrass old time so to me it doesn't feel 
uh, uh, it feels normal to kind of ex- like try out different elements and 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 see how things work because you know it makes everything kind of feel more creative in my mind. And it felt normal to to me as well because my my dad Ken for many years played in this band called Helicon, which played traditional music from all around the world. They would play music from um, from all throughout Europe and South America, and they would play Chinese pieces, wow. pieces from Israel, like all over. And so the, it was an interesting combo: is hammered dulcimer, guitar slash citern, and flute, wooden flute. So they have the band was called Helicon. They play one show a year here in Baltimore. Um, They've been doing this winter solstice reunion concert in December that Charm City Junction also plays in. Um, And so growing up around that, I didn't really have a sense that there were these genre boundary lines and that you, you could bring different instruments together, bring different musics together and it can work. Yeah, no, I totally believe it. Uh, I think it's great. I, I love that. I was thinking to listen to this tune that's on your Duck Pin album called Turkey Trot. Oh, yeah. Now, is this is it an original? (laughs) I didn't. uh, Yeah, this one was written by our bass player, Alex Laquamont, and he wrote it when he uh, he, it was around Thanksgiving and he had just attended a local show in town and was inspired to write a a song or write a tune when he got home late at night. And I we were roommates for a while. I remember he was down in the basement um, where he was renting a room here at this house and um, was just working on this tune and we eventually worked it up with the band and it's uh, it's kind of a old time bluegrass fusion piece. Uh, Turkey Trot is uh, one of our favorites. Actually, it's the tune we often end our sets with in concert. Okay, sweet. Let's take a listen. <laughs> so awesome it's just like really cool playing (laughs) like to me it sounds like melodic style like you're playing the melody line and you're adding in some licks i call them licks because they're kind of like triplets i'm hearing like the triplets i'm hearing like these hammer-ons but you're also sticking to the melody and it's really cool it's like really fun it's tasteful it's it's not just rhythm playing um yeah. Do you have any thoughts about the? Yeah. What are your thoughts on the playing in this? Well, well, thank you. That's very nice of you. Um, there are. Yeah. There's a lot going on in there, and I think some of it is uh, derived from the first exposure I had to the banjo. Um, who um, is a great banjo player out of Ithaca, New York, Richie Stearns. Ah. I took a beginner banjo workshop from him back in 2007. I was just a, entering my senior year in high school and took this banjo workshop on a whim at a music camp 
And I noticed that when he was playing, and he and to this day has a very melodic sense, but also a very improvisatory approach to the instrument. And I've always been drawn to the melodic side of the banjo uh, and how you can uh, communicate on the instrument in ways that, um, yeah, that are just really novel for Clawhammer. And I um, certainly uh, have learned a number of, of Richie-isms over the years, some of those triplet things, playing up the neck. If anyone is familiar with his playing, you certainly would, would recognize some of those little patterns. But I, um, yeah, I mean, I think because I mostly play old-time music, I do like to stick to the melody in some sense. Like, yes, there's definitely improvising going on in there uh, and, and bits where it goes outside of the, the you know, the tune. Um, I, I also enjoy listening to bluegrass banjo and and listening to the some of the vocabulary that that has you know worked for many years on bluegrass and and banjo and trying to figure out how to translate that to the banjo um, and, and to claw hammer in its own unique way. So some of those patterns up the neck, some of those those licks um, certainly derive from you know some of your classic Earl Scruggs banjo playing as well. So bringing together those influences and I'm also pushed along by my bandmates in that group. Patrick McAvenue, great bluegrass fiddler improvises like crazy in amazing ways and so does Alex and Sean and so they definitely push me to uh, take more chances and be more adventurous on the instrument oh cool yeah it's I I love improvising and I I do that myself and that's yeah it's so great to hear you doing that and talking about some bluegrass influence I was listening to your album uh, the solo album Chimney Swifts and you got Foggy Mountain Special on there and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and I was just so enjoying that because yeah that's a, that's a flat that's an uh, that's an Earl Scruggs tune and that you decided to do on Clawhammer banjo and I was like yep. yeah right on one hundred percent I remember I remember being at a jam in Nashville a few years ago and I believe it was it was at George Jackson's house George a wonderful fiddler yep and who I've recorded with and um. We were having a jam in his backyard right along the Cumberland River there in Madison, Tennessee. And in this jam was another great banjo player, Frank Evans. And he was playing three-finger style, and I was playing claw hammer. And I think it's fun to, to have a, a session where you have claw hammer and three-finger going. And he quoted a little bit of that tune, Foggy Mountain Special, in the jam when he was taking a solo on something. And... I had, of course, heard that tune. It's a classic bluegrass number, and I do listen to lots of bluegrass. And, and that, But for some reason in that session, it really clicked in that moment because I wanted to go, I wanted to kind of echo it and find it up the neck claw hammer style. And so I remember when I was flying home uh, back to Baltimore, just that tune was just stuck in my head and stuck in my head. And so the only way I could get it out was just to go to my banjo, and I don't play three-finger. So I was like, I really want to figure out how to play that classic Foggy Mountain special line and I just went up the neck, and there it is. It lays out really nicely, Clawhammer style. So, it, yeah, that was the that was the inspiration behind that that tune and tackling it in a in a very much a bluegrass fashion on the on the solo record. Yeah, when you yeah when you were when you were talking about banjo, I was going to ask if you finger picked and if that's why you decided it to do that tune. Um, when I was first learning three finger style, that song to me was so. It sounded so hard. I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to play this song. And there was 
that to me was like a marker. If I could play Foggy Mountain Special, that meant that I like knew what I was doing. Like that's what I told myself like way, <laughs> like, you know, way back when. But um, so, you know, if you're kind of new to banjo and you're listening to this, Earl Scruggs played a lot with licks. Like he had a set of licks that kind of streamlined streamlined banjo playing and made it uh really fast and uh kind of appealed to a wider commercial audience and is like a really fast and amazing playing and he had a lot of jazz influence and and that's uh kind of i think what makes foggy mountain special sound so cool are the licks and kind of a jazz influence to it um although it's just it just sounds like a catchy fun tune as well and we were also mentioning melodic style and melodic style and claw hammer. And I feel like in bluegrass are kind of similar where you're, I don't know, maybe you can describe it too. I feel like it's, you're moving through maybe more in a scalar, like with a scale, you're moving more through the melody with like a scale and playing more of the notes than just rhythm. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't spend lots of time working on scales um, or arpeggios or different patterns mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. that on banjo. I definitely spend more time transcribing and, as I was just mentioning, trying to figure out how to play certain patterns that I may hear on other instruments as well, whether it's a, you know, a fiddle, you know, melody section or a mandolin break in a song or maybe a guitar riff or something. As those notes are there, it's just a matter of coordinating with Clawhammer the right hand and the left hand. It, there's so much going on with Clawhammer. Sometimes it's so frustrating. I'm just thinking, why don't I just play three finger? This would be so much easier. But um, that requires another, you know, thousands of hours of practice that I don't really. I, I've I've given three finger a shot, and it, it maybe someday it'll happen. But I just I have this bluegrass banjo hanging on the wall behind me, and I have my finger picks at the ready. But I just I don't know. It just ha for whatever reason I just can't like get over the the big initial hurdle of feeling comfortable and smooth but anyway i with with the claw hammer you know it is it is an interesting challenge it always feels like a, a puzzle you know figuring out how to use the right hand technique with you know this this technique called drop thumb and blending that with your left hand all the 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 tricks that you have there pull-offs and hammer-ons and slides and where on the neck it makes sense to play certain patterns and some things just don't work claw hammer style but i just keep trying keep trying and you know eventually we'll find you know ways to play these dense you know irish tunes or these unusual bluegrass licks or at least i'll play something that's close enough that i can it kind of works but I, sometimes i fail and and that's fine too like there are definitely tunes and songs i've tried to learn on on claw hammer that just I just can't can't get it for whatever reason. Some of them just aren't aren't claw hammerable. Oh my gosh, I have so many questions. But hey, why don't we take a listen to Foggy Mountain Special just for a second? We'll listen to like thirty seconds of it. You playing that Foggy Mountain Special? All right, here we go. Gonna play it. <laughs> That was Foggy Mountain Special. And now I kind of want to listen to, it's actually the next track on your Chimney Swift's album. 
It's old Grimes, and I, I want to take a listen to this right after Foggy Mountain Special just because you're doing those Scruggs licks, claw hammer style, sounds so cool, and then your playing is so sweet and fluid and, and I, I, for lack of a better word, strummy and rich on old Grimes, like in a, in a complete old-time style that I just I kind of want to hear the two next to each other. This is like super nerding out. But if that's okay with you, let's listen to Old Grimes. Okay, here we go. Yeah, that's that was old Grimes, and that to me is when people hear Clawhammer banjo and they kind of fall in love with it. It's a, it's like a tune like that. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, I love the flow of that melody, and uh, Rachel Eddy, wonderful guitarist, joining in on that track. Oh nice. And it's uh, yeah, it's 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 fun to to explore the many different ways that you can you can play Clawhammer and the, that sweet sort of classic old time banjo sound on that track is definitely something that, you know, alongside the improvisation and the explorative nature of, of the instrument, it is also fun to, um, yeah, explore the, the beauty of the instrument and the sustain of the notes and the, the warmth and depth of the instrument, especially when you play in different tunings. And I really, um, you know, early on was very inspired by Adam Hertz playing and how melodic and elegant uh, his approach is. And so that's that's another side of of uh, what I enjoy doing on the banjo, um, especially without you know this uh, that solo album. Um, there's no fiddle on the record, and part of that was uh, not. I love the fiddle. I play fiddle, um, but I really wanted to center you know Clawhammer as a, a central melodic voice and demonstrate that this is something that um, can occupy the the melodic space that sometimes a fiddle might in a, in a session. Yeah, yeah, it's really beautiful. I I hear what you're saying about Adam Hurt. I can hear a little of maybe that influence in there. That's really nice. Yeah. Thanks. Well, I have to ask, we're going to get kind of personal here. Um, it, when you're listening to your own banjo playing, is there anything that you like about your banjo playing? <laughs> is there anything? That sounds mm-hmm. funny. No, is there, I mean, what do you like about your playing? Or Or if you don't want to answer that, what do you feel like, you might need to improve. Uh, yeah, I guess. I, what are your thoughts on your own banjo playing? I mean, yeah. No, this is great. This is it's this is sort of evolving into like a banjo therapy. Now it's banjo session. therapy. It's good. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. I just I, warmed well, you no, up until this. These moment. are. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a great question because it's something that I think any musician to you know to look honestly at themselves. You know, where can they improve? Where are the next areas to? To, to work on um, and it's it's always an evolving process you know learn learning and continuing to learn is just why I keep playing and keep learning new tunes and and enjoy playing with new people and digging deeper into the musical relationships I already have but in terms of my specific banjo playing I think I'm I'm very happy with how the the tone I'm able to 
pull out of the instrument has evolved over the years, being able to have a really clear and controlled sound um, that every note can can be enunciated. Um, so when I'm playing a tune, it does, you know, clearly state what the melody is. And then with that, I being able to control the dynamics pretty quickly, you know, going from, you know, soft to, to loud and, 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 and having that, that control in the right hand is something that I definitely am really happy with how that's evolved over the years. And then uh, in the context of playing with others, I like to, to think that I'm a good listener and enjoy the interactive nature of the music. And as I was mentioning earlier, you know, playing in that session with Frank Evans, you know, hearing a, a Scruggs lick and trying to chase that and find, like, how can I do this in this tune? Like the next time through, try to echo that line and, and really listening. It's so much more fun to play music with other people when you're listening and have big ears and, and interacting with them and not just, um, especially if you're performing on a stage and not just kind of being in your own world, but interacting with everybody up there or in a jam or, or just cat, you know, casually playing with people. It's, it's always more fun when it's conversational and communicative. And I, I certainly, um, uh, I, I, I love playing with folks who have that kind of similar energy. So that's, that's something I'd say I'm, I, there's always more room to grow there and being able to hear more, um, and know when to, to play something and when not to play something. That's, that's kind of everything. But, um, in terms of things that I, I would like to improve, I still think, even though I improvise, I, I would like to expand my improvisational vocabulary and be able to speak a bit more, uh, fluently in different kinds of, um, improvisational ideas. So, um, I feel like I have my kind of bag of tricks that I lean on a lot when I'm improvising. Um, and that's fine. Um, but I, I think I would like to be able to, um, think about improvising a little bit outside the box of my go-to, um, licks and ideas and be able to come up with new, um, melodic ideas on the fly and have maybe more of a, uh, like a stronger theory background. I don't really know as much about music theory as I'd probably like to admit. Um, and I think digging into that side of things would probably allow me to uh, have just more variety in terms of what I play when I'm improvising. And then also um, being able to write tunes that sound particularly unique from one to the next is something that I'd like to keep working on. I've written a bunch of tunes over the years. Um, but there are certainly some, and there are some themes that appear in them that I, I think, you know, are, everyone has their style, but I think I can be a little bit more diverse with the kinds of sounds that I, I create when I'm writing tunes. So I think exploring more of the improvisational side of my playing and then digging into um, just a more nuanced approach to tune writing and more disciplined, honestly, I don't, I don't write as many tunes as I, as I would like to. And I just don't, I need to carve out the time to um, and make time for for tune writing and, and being more. Um, I mean, I love playing fiddle. I love playing guitar. I get easily distracted by other instruments here at my house. <laughs> uh, I'll, I play upright bass sometimes. I'll get out my shoes and practice flat footing. So it's it's sometimes easier to to grab that low hanging fruit of like a, a more intermediate kind of level of playing where I, I really want to you know just improve my my skills on another instrument. But really, what I would would love to do and I. I would, I think I will do in the future is, is spend more time refocusing on exploring more with, with claw hammer and, and finding, uh, 
more ways to build on that that improvising ability and 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 coming up with new ideas on the instrument. I agree with you. I think improvising is something that we can always work on and it's a cool thing because it's you're never really done. You know how like you learn a melody and you're like, "Okay, I got the melody. Great. I can play the song. Maybe I learned the melody up the neck. Now I can play it two different ways." But the improvising never really ends. And, you know, sometimes when I'm playing shows or something and I'll be like, yeah, I know how to improvise. I'm, I'm playing pretty well and I'm doing something cool here. And then I play with someone that's really good at improvising. <laughs> and then it always reminds me. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what did they just do? Oh, my gosh. Like, you know, and it kind of like steps you up to the next level. And so, yeah, it's something we can all work on. I like going out to the uh, the local bluegrass jam here in town. There's uh, an every other week opposite the old time jam. There's a bluegrass jam, and I bring my banjo and play claw hammer, and you know try to take some breaks on some bluegrass tunes and songs. And yeah, you're right. There are so many other folks, especially in the bluegrass world, who improvise. That's like their bread and butter is improvising. And I, yeah, it it is humbling sometimes, and I. I, I know those notes are out there and it's it's just a matter of putting in the time to to yeah just have a richer vocabulary of ideas yeah totally well um we've been talking for a little while now I knew this was going to be long-winded because as soon as we started talking we we noticed that we had the same shirt not on today but I have the same shirt as Brad and then we started talking about that for like 15 minutes so um, I'm <laughs> take gonna... as much time as you need I'm happy <laughs> I'm happy to talk banjo this is great I love it I love talking banjo I mean I, I thought I was the nerdiest banjo player but then I found you and now I don't feel mm-hmm. so alone <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment yes it is um, I mean I think it is <clears throat> so uh, I think of you as a, a solid professional banjo player and uh, someone that knows their craft, knows what they're doing, has, p- has put a lot of time into what they're doing. So I'm, I'm gearing you up for the next question here. Um, you, you're a great banjo player, but the question is, if you stopped your career right now, if you stopped playing banjo and decided to do something different, not related to old-time music, would you, still, would, would you consider yourself successful if you stopped doing what you're doing right now? Mm. Like with that's what a, you've done so far. That's such a good question. It's an interesting question because it's a little different than the question. Uh, well, okay, so I have sort of a, this is a mildly snarky answer to this question. So you can stop me anytime if you're like, Brad, this is too much. Bring but it on. I, but it's, it's sort of a morbid answer as well because I think, you know, this question often feels like if you're, you know, if your life ended today and you didn't play and that was, that was it, would you consider yourself to be successful? But I, I actually think of this as if I, if my, if I stopped my career and did something else, I wouldn't really consider my banjo career to be successful because I think of it as my banjo journey is really, it's, it's the success I, I think of is fulfilling what I would be capable of as a musician and as a community organizer as well. And I feel like there's still more music to create. There's more events to instigate and more of a, a vibrant community to, to cultivate so if I changed careers, that would mean that I'd be giving up on, you know, that side of things. So I guess in that sense, I would say that I, it wouldn't be as successful as I think I could be. Um, and I don't want to say that I'm like not proud of the music I've done and the things that I've, I've, you know, recorded over the years with Charm Sea Junction or with my dad or with others and the community we've built here. Um, but if the question were something like if I you know, if I was hit by a bus tomorrow and, you know, then I would say, yes, I'm totally 
satisfied and feel like I'm successful with the work I've I've done in, in these you know few decades playing. Uh, I hope that's not too like strange of an answer to your question. No, no, I think it's kind of like I'm I'm imagining like a scrapbook that you've made of all your like newspaper clippings of all the things that you've done, and then like you look back and you're like, I'm I'm all right, like I've, yeah. I've done all right, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. So yes, I would say absolutely. Very grateful for the experiences I've had, and yeah, feel very proud of of the music and the community um, that I've been involved with. Um, and I, there's a quote actually that I want to share that uh, I was reminded of in this in this question. I was at the uh, Folk Alliance conference um, in Kansas City this past uh, spring or this past winter, and it's this big gathering of roots and folk musicians and industry people from around the the world and Janice Ian, great uh, musician, was there, and she said something that sets artists apart is our perception of time. Artists are born looking at the hourglass and watching it run out. The rest of the world measures time in birthdays, anniversaries, weekends, but we measure time by whether or not we have accomplished what we feel our talent allows. I really like that that quote wow. because it's just thinking about that hourglass and success being marked by how much can we get out of our playing, and so that's why. I think of changing careers now as being that would be I would I would be unsuccessful then oh, <laughs> I wouldn't have gosh. really gotten the fullest out of what I think we're capable of. I love that quote. That's amazing. Can you say the beginning part again? Because I, I it went by so fast. I want to something hear it again. that sets artists apart is our perception of time. Artists are born looking at the hourglass and watching it run out. The rest of the world measures time in birthdays, anniversaries, weekends, but we measure time by whether or not we have accomplished what we feel our talent allows. Oh, I love that. I love it so much. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I just had my birthday two days ago, so now I'm feeling like that's great. I try to like ignore my birthday these days. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that makes me feel mm-hmm. extra good. And that's a great quote. Um, all right. Well, I'm just trying to think about uh, you and, and how you stay so focused and motivated with all the things that you're doing. Do you have any advice for us out there, us uh, weaklings that need to make thousands of lists every day and just try to get one thing done? <laughs> how do you do what you do? Any hey, advice? I have, I have thousands of lists and, you know, this this big checklist over here that stares me in the face every time I open my computer. Um, <laughs> but I think that um what keeps me in, inspired is having a diversity of events and opportunities to experience music and really, at least for me, being able to go to a jam just as a participant and going to a jam as a, a jam leader sometimes or going to a concert just to br- soak in music and then going to a show to play on the stage. Or, you know, you could just extend that going to a dance to to play in the band or going to dance, you know, and making sure that I'm always participating in these events as much as I'm involved with them behind the scenes and really re-inspiring myself over and over again at these events and not focusing too much on just the music or just the organizing and having a blend of that and making time to go to things like Clifftop and go to festivals just for fun and really making sure that I'm always refocusing on what initially got me into this path of doing music as a career um, and listening to music just to listen to music. I'm a radio host and host programs and listen to music as my job, but I also love listening to music and different kinds of music that I may share on the, on the air, but also just making sure that I'm always taking, making time to just enjoy this music as a, 
as a listener, as a fan, and uh, as a participant, and not always thinking of it as this is my, like, I need to play well in this jam so it improves my stature in the local community, or I need to nail this lick in this song on a big stage at a festival. It's like just trying to make sure that I'm always just enjoying, trying to enjoy. Um, no, that's the that's the secret. I think that's and like the but Buddhist that's really mindset, that's, that's too, just being in the moment and not really looking at the finish line. You're kind of enjoying the process, enjoying what you decided to do with your life. Yeah, and I feel so fortunate. You know, I and I talk about this with my friends here in Baltimore that we have such a great community here in town of just a real vibrant young scene with um, folks who have moved to town just because of the community and the opportunities to play. And it's really after all these years of hosting these jams and dances and putting on this festival and it's, it's really paying off in these, in these past, you know, five years or so, the scene has just really grown. And, um, you know, I love being in this town and having so many great musicians here, but also I still need to refill the, the well and, and get out of town and, and go to other places and play with other people and, and reminding myself to do that um, pretty often is is very uh, calibrating. Oh, I know. I hear you. I hear you. And I'm so glad you did this here today, being on Banjo Chat. And um, I do want to just kind of wrap it up here and remind the folks that are listening to go to the Brooklyn or to, <laughs> to go to the Baltimore. Don't go to the go to the Brooklyn Old Time Festival, but also go to the Baltimore Old Time Festival <laughs> in next April. You can do but, both. Yes, yeah. you, can do, you can definitely do both. <laughs> Um, check out, you have a, an album with your dad. It's called Ken and Brad Kalodner, Stony Run. Um, yes, that's, that's right. a great album. And also check out Charm City Junction's uh, Duckpin album is the most recent, but now you have one coming out soon, which is great. And your Chimney Swift solo album. Um, and I think you have also more solo stuff coming soon. Is that right? Hopefully, yeah. I'm, I'm always in the, now that I've done one solo record i'm now thinking about what the next one might look like and uh, and also if you play banjo uh i teach as well so i have an online banjo lesson channel on uh, cl- uh true fire it's called claw hammer corner i love it and it's uh just lessons tune tutorials technique lessons different workshops tablature all that good stuff so you can in addition to taking hillary's wonderful classes soak it all in there's, yeah. there's a lot to be learned out there. And in fact, I always say like it's best to learn from a lot of teachers because you learn you learn so much. So go to Claw Hammer Corner, check it out. And then do you have a, what's your radio station? So I host on Folk Alley. So you can listen online, folkalley.com. And uh, you can also hear me on Bluegrass Country Radio, which is out of Washington, D.C., but it streams online. That's bluegrasscountry.org. And uh, you can learn more about all that stuff and uh, drop me a line if you want to say hi. You can email me. I'm I'm online, easy to find. BradKalodner.com. And uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for having me and and uh, having this banjo chat. Really excited to listen to all the other future episodes. I feel like we could just keep chatting, but we'll just have to have you on again. Well, it's funny because we we will because you know I, I years ago at a festival I realized that I was running into the same people over and over again. Like we'll be seeing each other at these things hopefully yeah. for many decades to come. Yep. And uh, yeah, so I'm sure we will cross paths again soon and maybe play some tunes. I hope so. And I think so. So, well, thanks so much, Brad. And we'll see you soon. See ya. And thanks everyone for listening. We're kind of just jumping into this. So if you have any questions or comments or any feedback, you can email us at banjochatpodcast at gmail.com. That's the name of this podcast, Banjo Chat, followed by podcast at gmail.com. 
If you'd like to support the Banjo Chat podcast, all you got to do is help it along with a little like, a little subscribe, and a little review, and that'll help boost it a little bit so I can keep making these for you. Thanks so much.